So we all know that there are few things in life that beat a really good story. I mean, human beings, I don't know any human being who doesn't just love a really good story and isn't engaged by it and, and often changed by a really good story. Now, if you listen to Jacques' sermon from last week, and I'd love you to do that if you have not yet seen it, um, it started with a story. Now, this story happened to be a true story, um, but he changed some of the names, I guess, to protect the innocent or maybe the guilty, and it was quite good. It, it wasn't very good. And the reason for that was, he, like I said, he changed some of the names, and, and like the bad guy, he called him Johnny. Why did he choose that name? I mean, he, he could have chosen Jockey or, or, or Richie or Baz, but no, he chose Johnny. And so it wasn't a good story. It could have been great. The point is that that story I can really still remember, and I can remember what he was trying to tell us with that story. And so, in fact, Jacques, it was a good story. Turns out that stories aren't just something that humans use to entertain themselves. In fact, uh, for most of human history, stories have been how we've learned pretty much everything. And uh, before we started writing things down, um, and, and if you want to know how recent writing is, if human speech was, was only 24 hours old, then writing would have only come along at 8 minutes past 11. So writing is a new thing. And so for years, for most of human history, stories and told stories have been the way humans communicate. It's how we learn about life and about culture and about pretty much everything that we know. It's no accident then that the Bible is full of stories. Uh, some of those stories are factual, so they're accounts or stories about specific historic events. Um, and some of them are made up stories. But whether they are factual stories about historical events or made up stories, they have one aim. And that is to teach us the truth about God. The truth about who God is and who we are. And the truth about that we can have a relationship with God. And that we can live forever uh, with God. And we can serve him in his kingdom. Jesus used a lot of stories. Uh, those made up kind of stories. To teach people about who he was and about his kingdom. And about how God wants to have a relationship with us. Uh, we call those stories, those made-up stories that Jesus uh, told, parables. And we're in a series, week two, of a series on parables. And uh, he, he used those stories to tell us about what the kingdom of God is like. And so it's really important that we should know and understand those stories that Jesus tells us. And the great thing about stories is they, they're easy to remember. Um, a good story can be understood by any kind of person. You can be rich or poor. You can be educated or uneducated. You can be literate or illiterate. You can be old or you can be young. But a story will communicate with you and will tell you important stuff that you need to know.
Uh, the great thing about a story is you, you don't have to know the details, but if it's a well-told story, you'll remember the main point, like the moral of the story. And that's what's one of the really important things about Jesus' parables, is that they are told so that we will understand the moral of the story. So today we're going to look at one of those stories. Um, and it's a story about a guy who owned a vineyard and about some workers that he hired. And it's found in Matthew uh, chapter 20. We're going to look at the story now. But before we look at the actual story, let's just give you some context. So Jesus is about to tell the story in Matthew chapter 20. And uh, people are going to be listening to the story. Now, we know that his main audience, well, let's, let's talk about who the other people were. So uh, maybe there were a few Pharisees that were listening to the story. Uh, perhaps there were some passers-by who stopped and, and heard this rabbi speaking. Uh, I imagine maybe even one or two Roman soldiers, possibly. And probably Jesus is in a place where he's looking at a, at a vineyard. And so his, his mind goes, okay, I'm, I'm going to teach something about this vineyard right now. We know that the main audience for this particular story was his disciples. And the reason we know that was where Matthew puts it in the whole story. Um, he, it's in Matthew chapter 20, and Jesus had, had been talking a lot to Pharisees and other people, and then he begins to withdraw from the Pharisees. He's had some really major conflicts. He's getting ready to go to Jerusalem and to be, and to be crucified, and so he's kind of focused his teaching on his 12 disciples. And so the main audience for this will be his 12 disciples. Now that's really important because if they're his main audience, clearly he's wanting this story to be, be listened to by disciples of his. Back then the 12, and right now people like us, if we are churchgoers. And listen, if you're not somebody who's regular at church, don't switch off because that's the cool thing about Jesus' stories. He may have had a main audience, but he, he, his stories were always for everybody. And so let me read you the story. Matthew chapter 20. God's kingdom is like an estate manager who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. They agreed on a wage of a dollar a day and went to work. Later, about nine o'clock, the manager saw some other men hanging around the town square unemployed. He told them to go to work in his vineyard and he would pay them a fair wage. They went. He did the same thing at noon and again at three o'clock. At five o'clock, he went back and found still others standing around. He said, why are you standing around all day doing nothing? And they replied, because no one hired us. He told them to go to work in his vineyard. When the day's work was over, the owner of the vineyard instructed his foreman, call the workers in and pay them their wages. Start with the last hired and go on to the first. Those hired at five o'clock came up and were each given a dollar. When those who were hired first saw that, they assumed they would get far more. But they got the same, each of them one dollar. Taking the dollar, they groused angrily to the manager. These last workers put in only one easy hour and you just made them equal to us who slaved all day under a scorching sun. He replied to the one speaking for the rest, Friend, I haven't been unfair. We agreed on the wage of a dollar, didn't we? So take it and go. 
I decided to give to the one who came last the same as you. Can't I do what I want with my own money? Are you going to get stingy because I'm generous? Here it is again, the great reversal. Many of the first ending up last and the last first. So that's the story. Jesus, remember, is teaching a story about what the kingdom of God is like. Now I want you to pause for a moment and I want you to think about what you imagine a kingdom is like. Not the kingdom of God, but a normal kingdom. What things come to your mind? If I think about a kingdom, I think about power. A lot of power is needed to create a kingdom. I think of grandeur. You know, we, my context, I think of like the king of England, the queen of England, and, and all that grandeur. I think of authority. If I think of a kingdom, I think of a very strong army. Because you establish a kingdom with an army that goes out and conquers people. Uh, I think of nobles with everything that they need and have and, and, and all their nice stuff. And then I think of peasants working in fields. If I think of a kingdom, I think of personal wealth in the hands of a few people. That's what I think of when I think of a kingdom. Now, we don't live in an actual kingdom, but I want you to think of the elements of the earthly rule that we live under, the kind of society we live in. And if you were in this audience, listening on that day to Jesus, where would you fit in? I wonder if you think about where you fit in to the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus is telling the story for a very specific reason. Remember I said earlier that he's talking to his disciples? Now, one of the things that the disciples had a real struggle with was understanding the kingdom of God as Jesus was teaching it. We know. If you read the stories about the disciples, they began by thinking that that the kingdom of God was, was going to be led by a Messiah who was going to crush the Romans and who would have a big army and who would be a very powerful king and put them in charge because like they were the first guys to listen and they would be the nobles. And they, they really did have this idea that the kingdom of God was about them and about them and, and the nation of Israel being in charge. And Jesus has a really hard time teaching them that that's not what the kingdom is about, that it really is an upside-down kingdom. And it's very, very different to the power structures of the world that they live in. It's not just that it was different to the Roman power structures. The kingdom of God is different to the world we live in today as well. And so here's what I want us to, to listen to very carefully from this story. Number one, God's kingdom is unlike any other kingdom we will ever experience. It's, it's, it is completely different. And each story, each parable about the kingdom teaches us something different about it. But it is, it is going to be very different. It is really an upside-down kingdom. Here's the next lesson that the story tells us. Everyone who enters the kingdom of God receives his generous, undeserved, and unearnable reward. 
What Jesus is saying, there's really no first and last in my kingdom. That everybody gets exactly the same reward. Whether they come in first or they come in last, they receive the fullness of God's love and grace and forgiveness. There's a third lesson. That justice and generosity live side by side in God's kingdom. It's no accident that Jesus unpacks a little bit of that interaction between the first workers that were hired and the manager. Because the truth is, they now are grumpy. They are entitled. But Jesus is trying to explain to them that the kingdom of God is about everybody. And if, if you'd lived in those days, when you heard him talk about a day's wages, I'm pretty sure that if you knew about the, the Bible, you'd think back to Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 14 and 15, which says this, You must not keep back the wages of a man who is poor and needy. Whether a fellow countryman or an alien living in your country in one of your settlements, pay him his wages on the same day before sunset, for he is poor and he relies on those wages. Otherwise he may appeal to the Lord against you and you will be guilty of sin. God's kingdom is a place of real justice where people get what they need. It was a fair wage that this guy agreed to pay the guys in the beginning. They only became jealous later on because they felt entitled. And that's another important lesson that Jesus is teaching from in this parable. That entitlement does not exist in the kingdom of God. Nobody gets to be special in the kingdom of God. Why? Because everybody is special. Because everybody gets the fullness of God. Jesus is teaching that less and more does not exist in the kingdom of God. That some people don't deserve more and others deserve less. That every single person deserves what God gives them because nobody deserves it. I want you to think for a moment about this story and ask yourself who you are in this story. I've been a follower of Jesus for about 52 years now. I guess I'm one of those people that was hired right in the beginning if I look at my life. You know, there are going to be people in the kingdom of God that come in at the last minute. I'm not entitled to more than them. When I think about our church family, I think about the world we live in, I often wonder about those of us who think we somehow deserve more because we've been around longer. And Jesus is teaching his disciples in the story, guys, don't think that because you were the original ones here that you deserve more. Jesus was also not just telling his disciples who were listening that they mustn't deserve more, but he was also telling the Gentiles who may be listening, guys, you're also welcome. You may end up be like those last minute people come in, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to give all of you 
everything I can. I want to read you a quote that I came across. And for the moment, the guy who's quoted is escapes me. But I want to read this to you. While interpreting and applying this parable, the question inevitably arises, who are the 11th hour workers in our day? Why might, we might want to name them, such as a deathbed convert or a person who is typically despised by those who are long-time veterans and more fervent in their religious commitment. But it is best not to narrow the field too quickly. At a deeper level, we are all the 11th hour workers. To change the metaphor, we are all honored guests of God in the kingdom. It's not really necessary to decide who the 11th hour workers are. The point of the parable, both at the level of Jesus and at the level of Matthew's gospel, is that God's grace, that God saves by grace, not by our worthiness. And that applies to us all. So the question that I want to ask you this morning today is this. What are you going to do about this parable? It's, it's great to know it, and we should know it and remember it. But what are you going to do about it? I think what God is calling us to do about it is this, is to live out a kingdom when nobody is first or last. To treat all people as loved by God and as equal. To look into ourselves and say, I'm not entitled to more because I've been a Christian longer or because I've known Jesus my whole life. Also think, one of the things we should do about this parable is to be that manager who keeps going out into the marketplace and looking for people. At, at early in the morning, at 10 o'clock, at 12 o'clock, at 3 o'clock, and then at 5 o'clock. So that we can, we can tell people about this great kingdom where God is inviting you to come and work. And guess what? It doesn't matter if you do 12 hours work in this kingdom or, or one hour. The king will give you all that you need because in this great kingdom, there's no first and last. There's just those who love God and have a relationship with him. And with them, God shares everything that he is. And that sharing is never going to stop. God's kingdom is a place not only that we're going to live in, but that we live in right now. And we must live out that value that all of God's reward belongs to all of those who live in his kingdom. I've, I've loved telling the story and I look forward to telling more. And I look forward to each of us living out every value that God's kingdom is about. Thanks for being part of our service today.